0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. 1 Corinthians 14. So we're in a series right now called Within, right? We've been talking about the Holy Spirit and his role in our life, what he wants to do. And I'm hoping that To this point, you're feeling pretty good about the Holy Spirit, that you recognize who He is, that He's God, right? That there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he was gonna send him to be our helper. He wants to help you. He wants to empower you. He wants to source uh, godly things in you. He's got gifts for you that are gonna help you fulfill the calling that he's placed on your life to help you to be the, the person he's called you to be, that there's a baptism that you can receive that it helps you to immerse yourself in the fullness of him so you can walk a, on a different level. I, I hope that to this point you're going, man, the Holy Spirit is awesome and I'm so grateful that Jesus... Uh, made it possible for us to have this relationship with Him. And today I want to talk to you as we conclude this series, I want to kind of talk to you about another aspect of the Holy Spirit. I'm calling this message this morning, Praying with the Spirit. Or maybe you've heard it called Praying in the Spirit. Or maybe you've heard somebody say Praying in Tongues. Now, if you're new to New Song Church, hey... Good to see you. You may be a little nervous right now, a little freaked out, like, what have I gotten myself into? Is this one of those kind of churches? Well, first of all, let me just say, yes, this is one of those kind of churches, but that doesn't mean that this is going to be weird or crazy, and I promise you this morning, I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to take your hand, and we're going to look at what the Word of God has to say about praying with the Spirit or praying in tongues. I wanna help you understand this today. And let me just say this as I jump into this this morning. Everything I'm gonna teach you today is based on the Word of God. Because I believe in the Word of God. I believe it's the only real truth that exists in this world that we can build our life upon it. And so we're gonna look at what the Word of God has to say. And as we're doing this today, I I know that some of you, there's gonna be some stuff that maybe kind of tries to rise up in you. Because maybe you've seen some stuff or heard some stuff, you know, maybe you've seen people like holding up a snake in a sweaty backwoods church, praying in tongues, and that's got you a little nervous this morning. I promise you, you will not see that here today, okay? Amen. But if, if you have some of this stuff in you, let me just tell you, what I'm going to base this on is the word of God. So if something is rising up in you, nervousness, fear, Maybe a little bit of like even anger or something like that. Let me just say, this is, this is all going to be based on the Word of God. So if something's rising up in you, you've got to question whether or not what you were taught was right. Because if we're looking at the Word of God and something other than the fruit of the Spirit is rising up in you, then maybe you've received some bad teaching over the years, all right? But what I want to do is whether you're here today and you're brand new to this, you know nothing about this, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, you know nothing about it, or maybe you're here today and you operate, you, you know this, you've, you've walked in this gift before. Wherever you find yourself today, I wanna walk you through this and I believe you're gonna leave today having a better understanding of this than ever before so that you can step into this incredible gift God has given us in being able to pray in a prayer language. Sound good? So I want to pray, and I'm just inviting you, I'm asking you to be open to what God wants to do in your life today. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this incredible church and this incredible service. We thank you, Lord, that as we look to your word today, God, we say that we want all of you. We want everything you have to offer. We trust you, God, and we trust you, Jesus, and we know that the Holy Spirit is God, so we trust the Holy Spirit. And we say, Lord, that we're open, and we pray if there's anything in us that needs to be, that needs to be pulled out of us, Lord, I pray that the scales would fall off our eyes, that we'd see you the right way. I pray that, that, our, that, that our understanding would be enlightened so that we can know the truth and it can set us free this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. So be it, right? Okay, so as we jump into this, we talk about praying in the Spirit, praying with the Spirit, praying in tongues. Uh, there's two different categories that this falls into. There's, first of all, there's the gift of tongues, and there is what's called the grace of tongues. Now, real simply, the gift of tongues is when we come together in some kind of a corporate setting where there could be believers and unbelievers present in an environment, and there is a tongue that's given uh, by, the, uh, by the Spirit, so, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, a tongue is given under the authority of the church, done in order in decent and decent in order. A tongue is given, and then it's followed by an interpretation of that tongue. So, in other words, someone would get up and they would share a tongue, and we'd all, we wouldn't really understand what they were saying, but then someone else, inspired by the Holy Spirit, would give an interpretation that lets us know what God was saying through that. Tongue. And in a church setting or an environment where there's unbelievers and believers present in a group, that's how that gift is supposed to function. Because it's a gift of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit are used for edification. They're used for edification and they're used for encouragement. And if I just get up here this morning and I start praying in the Spirit and there's no interpretation, guess what? You're not going to receive any edification and any encouragement from that. In fact, the Bible actually tells us that people who are not believers would hear that, and they would think that, that we're a little crazy. Look at this with me, 1 Corinthians 14, I told you to turn there, verse 23, and we're going to camp out pretty much in 1 Corinthians 14 for the most part today, so you can, you can live there this morning. It says this, So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in. So that means people who are interested in this, they're interested in Jesus, they're checking this out. They're not quite believers yet. They come in and they hear just people praying in the Spirit. Look at what it says. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? (laughs) Why? Because they they have no idea what's going on. That doesn't help them. They don't know what's being said, so that's not... That's not good. Now that's, so so the gift of tongues is in a church setting when there's a tongue given and there's an interpretation that follows. But there's also what's called the grace of tongues. And the grace of tongues is a personal prayer language that we have that we're able to pray with the Spirit or pray in tongues, and we don't understand what we're saying There are benefits that come with this. I'm going to show you this today, but look at what the Bible says. First Corinthians 14 again, verse 2. It says, for one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to God. Notice who this is to. It's 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 not to you. It's not to the other people around you. It's to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries. Verse 14, it says this, for if I pray in a tongue. My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. That word understanding is, it actually means mind. So it means my mind doesn't understand it. I don't know what I'm actually saying, but I'm praying under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, talking so about praying in tongues, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in the understanding. Paul's saying, I, I pray in my regular language that I understand, but I also pray in the Spirit. Now again, let me just remind you, this is not the word of Josh that I've been reading to you from here. This is the word of God. This is God talking, God breathed. This isn't Paul who wrote this. This isn't even just his thoughts on this. This is him being inspired by the Holy Spirit to to speak this and write this and pin this down. This is God's word on this subject. This is scriptural here. Verse 16 goes on to say, otherwise, if you bless, that's a bless me is another word for pray, right? We, when we come together at dinner time, we say, well, somebody bless the food. We mean pray for the food. If you bless with the Spirit, that means mean praying in tongues, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks? In other words, if there's someone there that doesn't know what you're doing, how can they say amen, mean so be it, or agree with what you're saying, if they have no idea what you're saying? You guys tracking with the word here? Okay, it says, since he does not understand what you say... Now look at verse 17. For you indeed give thanks well. In other words, he's saying what that, praying in the Spirit is, is good. It's, it's not a bad thing, but the other is not edified. So he's saying it's good what you're doing, but it's not for the other person. It's for you. So, so understand there is a gift of tongues, which is done in a church setting. It's done in, in, in the right order, under the authority of the church. There's an interpretation to it, which helps us to receive edification and encouragement. And then there's a grace of tongues that every believer can operate in that, that in, in, allows us to be encouraged it allows us to to pray I'm gonna show you what this does and that's really what I wanna focus in on today. I wanna to, to talk to you about this grace of tongues because this is something that every believer can have in operation in their life. Every person who's received the baptism of the Holy Spirit can pray in a prayer language, can pray in the Spirit. And there's some incredible things that come along with this, all right? So I've got three points for you this morning that'll help you understand this in a greater way. And here's the first one, all right? If you wanna understand a little bit more about praying with the Spirit, you need to understand this it is scriptural. What I'm talking to you about today. Is scriptural. It's in agreement with the word. Now I got a question for you this morning. How many of you in here would say that it's always okay to talk to God? If you, if that's you, raise up your hand. Raise up your hand. That if you believe that it's always okay to talk to God, okay. How is there anyone in here that thinks that there's that sometimes it's not okay to talk to God? Is there anyone that believes that? That's you, you can lift up your hand? Okay, no one. Lifted up their hand. Okay, so we all agree that it's always okay to talk to God and it's never not okay to talk to God. Like we always have the ability to talk to God. Now, look at this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, check this out, but to God. Okay, so we just all agreed that it's always okay to talk to God, right? We said that. And this verse tells us that when we pray in the spirit, when we pray in a tongue, that we're talking to God. So if we all agree that it's never wrong to talk to God, and praying in the spirit is talking to God, then it's never wrong to pray in the spirit. You guys track with me this morning? That's pretty simple, isn't it? But see, there's an enemy of your life who doesn't want you to know this. He doesn't want you to believe this. He doesn't want you to see how important this can be and how powerful this can be in your life. And so he's going to do everything he can to try to make this look weird to you, to show you stuff that's going to freak you out about this, to convince you that that's just for those wild backwoods Christian people, that that's not an operation today. He's going to do everything he can because he doesn't want you talking to God at this level. And so there's some, there's some myths involved that a lot of us come to believe. So I wanna blow up some of these myths this morning. Four myths that sometimes we, we, we come to believe when it comes to praying the Spirit is, here's the first one, is that you can speak fluently the first day. That, that the moment you receive... The gift of being able to pray in the Spirit that you should just be able to do it really good right off the bat. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you took like a a second language in high school or anything? The first day that you walked into that class and you got an introduction, were you able to walk out of that class that day and you were just eloquent and fluent in that language that day? Was that you? No, that wasn't me either. How about with your kids? When your kids were learning how to talk, if you had children, how many of them, that first day that you started training them and teaching them how to talk, how many of them just one day all of a sudden they just come to you and they were like, Father, how are you today? And just eloquent in their speech. No, it doesn't work that way. Like they develop in this, they grow in this. I I remember with my kids, like they, they were learning how to talk, they would say stuff funny sometimes. Like my son Gus for a long time, he would say his L words and his, his W, he'd get those two mixed up. So you'd say something like, we're gonna go to Lowe's, we gotta pick up a ladder. And he would say, we're gonna go to Woes. we gotta pick up a wadder, right? And when he did that, I wasn't like, what's wrong with you, kid? Dummy, get it right. You're saying it wrong, okay? No, I didn't do that. I remember when we were teaching our, our, our daughter how to talk. She was really fun. In fact, I've got a video I'll show you here in just a second of, of my wife, Sarah, talking and, and, and showing me and kind of showing off Bo. She's a little over one year old here, and she's learning how to talk. Check this out. Hey, Bo. Bo, are you ready? Yes. Yes? Okay. Can you say purse? Purse. Can you say shoes? Shoes. Can you say puppy? Puppy. Can you say cupcake? good job can you say bye-bye Bye bye. <laughs> that's pretty cute isn't it yes. is anyone offended by that this morning no like when she was learning how to do that and she's saying cupcake and I'm like both say cupcake and she says cupcake I wasn't like no it's cupcake <laughs> dummy what's wrong with you Like, no, we don't do that because I understand like she's growing in this. She's developing in this. Listen, the walk with God is a walk with God and we grow in it and we develop in it. You know, today I pray in my English language better than I did when I first got started. I've grown in that. I know how to pray the word of God and the will of God. I've grown in that ability to pray because I've grown and matured in my walk with God and understanding how to pray and my boldness to pray. I'm better at it than I was when I first got started. I'm a better preacher today than when I first got started. First time I ever got up to preach, I was given a 30 minute message to preach at a camp. I got up and I preached, no joke, for four minutes and I preached everything I knew I went through the entire Bible in four minutes and I was sweating and struggling and I was terrible. Today, I can do this a lot better than I could back then. Why? Because I've grown and I've developed it. Listen, praying in the Spirit's the same way. You're not just gonna be eloquent and amazing at it the first time. Now, now here's the thing is that some people, they hear other people that are good at it and when they're first getting started, they think, well, they have it and I don't Maybe. Like my, well, my mom's here this morning. My mom has been praying in the spirit for 40 plus years. I don't know exactly how long, but a long time. And I would bet in, in the 40 years that she's been doing this, she hasn't missed more than maybe a handful of days where she didn't do this at least a little bit that day. And so if you hear my mom pray in the spirit, like she's good at it. Like you hear and you're like, dude, that's a legit language coming out of that woman. But I've also heard people that are new at this. They're just getting started, and you hear them, and they're not necessarily as good. They're kind of just learning, kind of like Bo in that little video where she's just learning how to talk. But we don't we don't look at them and say, "Well, you don't, you can't do it. You don't have it," and she does. Just like I wouldn't look at my daughter Bo and go, "Well, no, you can't speak because you're not good at it yet." You guys tracking with me this morning? You're not gonna be eloquent and fluent in it the first day, but that doesn't mean you don't have it. What you do is you just begin to do it on a daily basis and you practice it. And as you practice it, you grow in it and you get better at it and you get more eloquent in it. So the myth is that you're not fluent the first day. Don't let that frustrate you. If you're doing this for the first time and you're going, I don't sound like them, it's not about them. This is between you and God. So God will meet you right where you are. And guess what? When you do it, even if it's just a few words, God hears you and he's a proud father. He loves you, and he's so excited about you taking that step. Here's the second thing some people believe, second myth, is that you can't control it. That this is just going to hit you and take you over. You'll be in Walmart one day, in aisle four, and all of a sudden, boom, it hits you. And you run up to the front and get on the microphone and just start praying in the Spirit. Doesn't work that way. Listen, I'm, I'm operating in one of the gifts of the Spirit right now, preaching and teaching. And I am not out of control. Like, I'm not right now in a trance. I don't walk off when this is over and I'm like, oh, babe, what happened today? I have no idea. <laughs> no. Now, I'm, a, I'm operating under the anointing, but I'm well aware of what's happening. And I've prepared a message, and the, the Holy Spirit is working with me to communicate it to this service the way He wants it communicated. But I'm, I'm in control. I'm not out of control. Like the spirit of preaching and teaching doesn't hit me at like Chuck E. Cheese and I run up and push Chucky e. to the side and I'm like, children, and I'm out of control. And when it's over, I'm like, hon, what happened? I heard five kids got saved at Chuck E. Cheese today because of me. No, it doesn't happen that way. You're in control, okay? God always operates in your will. Look at, look at this with me. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says this. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Notice the word if. You know what if means? It means it's a choice. I get to choose. Verse 15, 1 Corinthians 14, 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray in the spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will. I will means I choose to do something. If you invite me to go to a movie with you, I will go or I will not go. It's a choice, right? And this is a choice. God, listen, God always operates and functions in your life according to your willingness to allow him in. You have to bend your will to the will of God if you want to see him work in your life. It's a choice that you make. I remember when we first started the church, we were doing some altar counseling training you know at the end of the service when I invite the altar ministers up just so you know they've been trained like we've taught them how to pray with you and what to pray for you and how to how to function and operate in this in a good way according to what we believe God's calling us to do and so we were doing some training early on and this lady came to me and she said hey I went to the training I thought it was really good but there's one thing I got to just let you in on I pray in the spirit a lot And sometimes I pray in the Spirit so much that it just starts happening and I can't really control it. So I can't promise you that I'm not going to be down at the altar and this won't just hit me and I won't just start praying in the Spirit. And I said, well, um, you can't be on our altar ministry team then because that's not in agreement with the Word of God. That's not how it works. And I can't have you down here. Listen, what if there's someone in the service and they're new to church, they're new to the things of God, just kind of checking this out? And and they hear a message and they want to come down and maybe believe God for healing or believe God for some freedom in some area of their life. And someone just lays hands on them and starts shaking them and praying in the spirit. They're going to be like, what is this? They may never come back here again. They may never come back to church again. It's a big deal. So we're going to do things decent and in order, the way God has called us to do it. So so listen, if you're here this morning and you're kind of going, I don't know about this place, you know, I've been going here for a while, but it sounds like it's taking a turn. No, no. Listen, this is stuff we've been doing from the beginning of this church. This has been an operation here. I've been praying the Spirit from for years now, and not nothing's about to change. We're just trying to teach you so you can change and experience what God has for you this morning. But you're in control. It's not going to take you over. In fact, think about this in First Corinthians 14, Paul is teaching about when and how to function with this, with, with the gift of, the, of praying in the Spirit. So why would he teach us when and how to do it if it's out of our control? That make sense? Why would he, inspired by the Spirit of God, teach us when to do it and how to do it if it doesn't really matter anyways, it's just gonna happen the way it's gonna happen? Doesn't make sense, does it? So you can not control this. Here's the, the third myth that some people believe is that I could get a demon I know we're laughing, but there's some people that they've been taught that, that. If you open yourself up to the spirit, that you could receive something that, you know, demonic oppression could come against you and ruin your life. So it's better you just avoid this. Well, Jesus addressed this. Look at this with me. Luke 11, verse 11, Jesus said this. Jesus, remember him? He's a big deal. He said this. He says, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Notice that word serpent. Uh, instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Notice serpent and scorpion. And by the way, that's a bad dad right there. Dad, can I have an egg? Can I have some breakfast? No, but here's a scorpion. Like bad dad, bad dadding right there. Don't do that. So, so what's God saying? God's not going to give you something bad when you're asking for something good, right? A good father wouldn't do that. God's a good father. In fact, look at what he says. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, hey, Jesus, what's up with that? Like, did you just call me evil? Kinda, yeah. Because here's what he's saying. He's not saying you're evil. He's saying the best father on this planet compared to Father God is evil in that sight. That's how far, that's how incredible of a father he is. The best father who has ever existed in this world compared to our Father God is considered evil. That's how good of a father he is. So he says, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So he's talking about if you ask for the Holy Spirit, God's not gonna give you something bad. And in fact, he uses the word uh, serpent and scorpions. In Luke 10, just a little bit earlier, Luke 10, 19, he uses this same phrasing, just the, 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 the chapter right before this one. Look at this, Luke 10, 19. He says, behold, I give you authority, Jesus talking again, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. So Jesus relates serpents and scorpions to this idea of, of demonic influence. And then one chapter later, he says, if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, you're not gonna receive serpents or scorpions. Here's what he's saying. If you're asking God for the Holy Spirit, God is not gonna let you get a demon. Okay? So you don't have to worry about that. In fact, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can't have a demon. You can't be possessed by the devil because you're possessed by God. You belong to God. And so you can't have a demon inside of you. You can be oppressed, but you cannot be possessed. And you can overcome everything that comes against you. So you're not going to get a demon chasing after God, all right? Here's the, here's the fourth thing is that some people have it and some people don't. There's some people that can have this, some people that can function in it, but it's not for everybody. Well... Let's look at the word once again. The Bible says this in Romans 2, verse 11. For there is no partiality with God. Partiality means favoritism. It goes on to say this in Acts 10, 34. God doesn't show favoritism. So in other words, God doesn't favor me over you. God's not gonna bless me in a way that he would not bless you. God won't heal me and not heal you. And in the same way, God won't give me the ability to pray in the Spirit and not give it to you because he doesn't show favorites. He loves you. He, we're all his favorites, just so you know. And so if anyone can operate in this gift, and people can, then you can operate in this gift. If you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you can walk in, in this ability to speak in this language. So I want you to see, this is scriptural. These myths, we blow those up with what the Word of God has to say. This is scriptural for you to receive this. Now, here's the second thing you gotta understand is this is a benefit, Being able to pray in a prayer language, having this grace of tongues and praying with the spirit is an incredible benefit. How's it a benefit? First of all, it builds you up. It builds you up. Look at what the word says. 1 Corinthians 14 again, verse four. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. That word edifies means build up. Build up. So when you pray in the Spirit, you build yourself up. Jude 20 says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Again, notice that praying in the Spirit builds you up. Now, how many of you would say that from time to time, you feel like you get a little torn down in this world? Would you agree with that this morning? Yeah. Like sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like you know stuff just begins to wear me out, wear me down. It's almost like, maybe you can relate this, it's almost like it feels like sometimes there's like a conspiracy against us, like the world is against us and what we want to do. You ever feel that way? Well, if you do, it's for good reason, because there is a conspiracy against you, and his name is the devil, And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And so he's working daily to wear you out, to tear you down, to pull you away from what God has from you. And he's doing it on a daily basis, every day coming after you. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians 6, you gotta prepare yourself for this. Look at what he says here, talking about the armor of God, verse 13, Ephesians 6. Paul says, take up the whole, everybody say whole, The whole armor of God. He says, take it up, which means you got to put it on. you got to pick this up yourself. It's not just going to happen automatically. It's something you have to do. Put on the whole armor of God. Take it up that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. How many of you would say that we live in evil days? There are things going on. There is evil in this world. It still exists. We can overcome it, but it still exists in this world. And he says, and having done all. Everybody say "all." all. Having done all to Stand, but Paul's saying, "Listen." We're living in evil times and there's an enemy coming against you and he's gonna try to attack you. And so you gotta put on this armor. You gotta take it up on a daily basis and you gotta put on every piece of it, not put on some of it, put on every piece of it. And then he begins to list off the different pieces. Verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Talking about knowing what the word of God has to say. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Recognize who you are in Jesus Christ. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, be prepared to bring this message of jesus christ this peace to the world above all taking up the shield of faith having faith in god and his ability to move in your life with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one when he attacks you you know your faith is in god and not in your own ability to take care of yourself and take the helmet of salvation in other words cover your mind with what jesus has done through the cross for you and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god now stop don't read anymore don't read the next part stop it okay stop right there Okay, verse, uh, where it says God, and then ber- praying, there's, there's, that's, a, that's a verse break right there. It's 17, starts right there, okay? All right, now at the end where it says God there, quit reading ahead, stop it. At the end there where it says God, what is that? That's a semicolon, isn't it? So does that mean the sentence is over? What does that mean? It means it's a pause, right? It means the thought is not complete. Now, what have we been talking about up to this point? Putting on the whole armor of God. Listing off all the different pieces of the armor of God. And the sentence ain't over. And look at what it says. Now you can read on with me. Ready? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Bing. Are lights going on for anybody? Is it possible that we've been ending the sentence where the pause is, thinking we're putting on the whole armor of God. This verse tells us, listen, that praying in the spirit is a part of the armor of God. Do you see that? That's the Bible. So is it possible that maybe some of what we're struggling with, maybe some of the areas of our life where we're being beat down is because we haven't been putting on all the armor like Paul said to That there's some openings in our life where we're being stolen from and we're being worn out and and beat up because we're not fully embracing everything that God has made available to us through the armor of God? Listen, church, don't stop at the pause. Don't stop at the pause. This is an incredible benefit God has given you to build you up and to protect you and help you to, to overcome the one who's trying to tear you down. Don't stop at the pause. Here's the second benefit is it covers your ignorance. Praying the Spirit covers your ignorance. And I love this because I know that I don't know it all. Anybody in here know it all? Good. No one raised your hand. Because if you would have, you would have proven that you don't know it all. (laughs) We don't know it all. Like, we're, we're ignorant. Now, ignorant doesn't mean you're dumb. It means you just don't know. There's some stuff you don't know. And there's just some stuff we don't know. Now, here's how it works with God. Anything that we get from God, that we receive from God, we receive through prayer. Prayer is the avenue through which God sources stuff to us and sources stuff through us in this world. We have to pray. If you want to receive anything from God, it comes through prayer. Now, in Matthew 6, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they come to him, and they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray, because they're recognizing prayer is a big deal. And so now they're saying, Jesus, we want to know from you, because you're Jesus, how to pray. Now, check this out with me, Matthew 6, verse 8. Jesus says this. He says, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. That's interesting. So before you go to God in prayer, he already knows what you need. And then look what it says. In this manner, therefore pray. And then he gives them the model prayer. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And and when he does that, he's not saying pray this prayer. He's saying this is the model. This is the framework for how you pray properly. But but notice what he says at the beginning. Your father already knows what you have need of therefore pray. So he says, your father knows, but you still got to pray. So think about this. I, I'm a father. I got kids. And if my kids come to me with a need, like, uh, like not, a, not a desire, not a want. Like my son came to me on Friday and said, dad, I need some new Jordans. And I said, no, you don't. You desire new Jordans. And listen, I, I began to talk with him. Okay. So what do you bring to the table? What can you do? What kind of work can you do around the house? How much money do you already have? Maybe we can come into partnership together and make this happen because that's good parenting. I don't just shut him down. I communicate with him and talk to him because I'm trying to be a good father, amen? Good parenting one-on-one right there, okay? But, but I begin to talk to him. That's a desire, but the need is different. Like if my kids come to me and one of them says, man, my, my dad, my tooth hurts. My, my tooth is really hurting, dad. I, they, don't, they don't have to ask me, dad, would you call the dentist? I just do it. Because I see the need and I'm gonna meet them in their area of need. Now, now this is interesting because God says he knows your need, and yet He doesn't just He doesn't just move. He you have to you still have to ask Him. And I, we already read that I'm not as good of a father as He is, so what's the deal? Well, here's the deal. And you've got to understand this prayer is legal. Prayer is legal. Prayer is a legal stipulation. that that God has established on this earth. Anything you're gonna receive from God, whether it's healing, whether it's the blessing of God, whether it's favor, whether it's wisdom, it has to come through prayer. You have not because you ask not, the Bible tells us. So this is really good news in, in one sense because it means if we have needs, we can go to God and he hears us and he's gonna meet us in our needs once we pray. But here's the problem. What about when we have needs and we don't know what to pray? Like I, I've spent the last couple years with this, like I, I know there's a need, we need a building for this church and, and I knew that, but I, I didn't know exactly where it's going to be. I didn't know whether to get land and where to get land and what building to move into. I didn't know that stuff. So, so I'm praying, but I can't, I can't pray exactly specifically in my understanding because I don't understand. Do you guys follow me? But this is where the Holy Spirit can kicks in, can kick in, because he enables me to be able to pray beyond my own understanding. Let me show you this. Check this out. I love this verse. Romans 8:26 says, "Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. What's our weakness? Well, it tells us right here, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We don't know it all. We don't always know what to pray. But the Spirit helps us. How does he help us? Look at this. But the Spirit himself makes intercession. He prays with us in partnership with us. That's why he's praying with the Spirit for us with groanings, or in other words, in a, in a language we can't understand, which cannot be uttered. When I pray in the Spirit, I pray for things. I can pray for things I don't even know to pray for. See, listen, this is unbelievable. When I pray in the Spirit, I can pray for things in perfect agreement in perfect alignment with the word of God and the will of God, and I can pray for things in the future that I don't even know what's going on. I move beyond my own natural understanding into spiritual realm of God's understanding. Just recently, this, we had something happen in our family. My, my sister uh, had this, I've got an older sister. She's four years older than me. She's filled with the spirit. She prays in the spirit, and... Um, she just had this urgency about her daughter who just got married and her, and her, uh, her new son-in-law. And she was kind of worried about them and just kind of felt something was going on. And so she called up my mom and they talked about this and they said, well, we're gonna pray about it. And, and so they prayed together and they prayed in their understanding, but then they both went their separate ways and they just began to pray in the spirit. And they just were praying and they didn't know what they were praying for, but they were just praying. Lord, I feel like there's something going on. And so they just entered into their prayer language and began to pray over the situation in their prayer language. And they prayed until they kind of felt like a peace and felt a release that was whatever was, was the deal was, was going to be fine. Well, what they didn't know is just a few days later, my, uh, my niece, my, my, my sister's daughter, is driving home uh, with her husband. Her husband's actually on a motorcycle in front of her. She's in her car. And as they're driving down the road, this Accident takes place in front of them, and it happens so quickly that her her new husband hits the back of this car and gets launched into this other car. In fact, I've got a picture of it. You guys, dark in the house lights. Hopefully, you can kind of see this. But but this down here, this is his motorcycle underneath that car, and then up there, this is what he he wrote on his Facebook. That dent is from my helmet. See that? In that? And you can't see it real well, but there is a huge dent in the side of that car where he got he flew off that motorcycle and hit that other car head first. His, his, my niece saw all this take place in front of her and she thought he was dead. And so she gets out of her car, runs over to him and he's, he's conscious and he's okay. And he has like a little bit of road rash. They take him to the hospital, check him out. No major injuries, no broken bones, no concussion, no Nothing. It's a miracle. And, and, and I believe what my, what my sister and my mom were picking up in prayer was that. Now they didn't know, God didn't say there's going to be an accident. and don't, no, he just, he just began to and as they were praying the spirit, I believe they were praying specifically about that, and God was able to breathe on that prayer and move based on that prayer and meet them in their area of need, which He needs to live. Amen. When we pray in the Spirit, we can move into this area where we can cover stuff. You can pray for your children. You can pray for your marriage. You can pray for your business. You can pray for things, and you don't know what you're praying, but God can cover where where you have a lack of understanding. Isn't that awesome? This is an incredible benefit that we have in being able to pray in the Spirit. It builds us up, and it covers us in our ignorance. And then here's the last thing. Point number three is it unifies us. Through praying in the spirit, we can be unified. And when I talk about being unified, I talk about us as a body of believers, as a church. In the the Bible, in Genesis chapter 11, there's a story of the Tower of Babel. And in this story, there's a group of people and they're unified in this vision of building this tower. And they're unified in this community that's working towards doing this and they're unified in, in their language, if you know this story. Everyone at this point in the world was speaking one language. Look at this with me, Genesis 11, verse 6. And the Lord said, he's looking at these people, and he says, Indeed, the people are one. When he says one, that means they're unified. They're unified in vision, they're unified in community, and they're unified in their language. In fact, it goes on to say, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. In other words, he's saying what they're doing is wrong. It's not good. But look at what he, he says. This is so big. Remember this. Now nothing, everybody say nothing. nothing. Nothing they purpose to do will be withheld from them. What God says here is a group of people united in vision, united in language, and united in community can do some incredible things. And so what does God do? Because what they're wanting to do is wrong and evil. He, he, he makes it where they can't all speak the same language. He takes away that ability to all communicate with this one language. Okay, so you fast forward to Zephaniah chapter 3 and and God is talking about the Messiah and he's actually prophesying about the Messiah who's going to come talking about one of the things that he's going to do. Check this out Zephaniah 3 verse 9. For then or after the Messiah comes, I will restore. Remember that word restore. I will restore to the people a pure language. Restore means he's going to give them something back that they that's been taken away that they may call on the name of the Lord to serve him, not, not to serve what they wanna do, not to serve their, just their own purposes, but to serve the calling of God, the plan of God with one accord. In other words, unified. Okay, now go to Acts chapter two. And what do we have? We have the disciples after Jesus has died and been resurrected. We've got the disciples assembling in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. That means they're unified. What are they unified in? They're unified in the vision of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus has died on the cross. He's been raised from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of God. And they are unified in delivering that gospel message of salvation to the world around him. They're unified in one place. Place, and suddenly there came the sound from heaven as a rushing. It came rushing on to them, mighty wind, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Check this out. In this moment on the day of Pentecost, these people are united in the vision. They're united in community and God gives them, restores them back a language that unites them in language. And what was true for the people at the Tower of Babel becomes true for the church of Jesus Christ today. Nothing can be withheld from us. Nothing is impossible for us. And that is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, I wish you all prayed in the Spirit. And listen, as your pastor, I want you to know, I wish you all prayed in the Spirit. With the Spirit, why wouldn't I? It's an incredible benefit. It allows you to pray beyond your own knowledge, to pray these prayers that you don't know to pray for. It builds you up. It helps protect you. It's a part of the armor of God. It helps us as a church to be unified so we can accomplish the incredible things God wants us to accomplish. Of course I want you to experience this and walk in this gift. So how do we do it? There's the next question. Well, this is where some confusion comes in. And some of the confusion we experience on this that I've, I've kind of seen within the church comes from uh, the way we process things in our English minds, and our American kind of way of thinking. Okay, so go back to Acts chapter 2, and it talks about when the people were filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues. So when we hear this, we process that that verb began from from two different ways of thinking. In our English language, a verb is typically either passive or active. Active means, if I said I began to pray with the Holy Spirit, that means I was the one doing the praying. That's the active voice. The passive voice means, if I say I was begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, and it's from the passive tense, that means the Holy Spirit begins to pray through me. He's just kind of like, he takes me over and begins to pray. Now, we've already talked about that. that's not how it works. So what, what was actually taking place here? Well, here's what was taking place. There's actually a third option, a third voice that this can be interpreted. And in the original Greek, this was the interpretation of this word. It was taken from the middle voice, which means it was a participation in the action taking place in a corporate effort, so it wasn't just them and it wasn't just the Holy Spirit, it was both of them coming together, doing this together. So when you pray in the Spirit, it's you in, par- in partnership and in cooperation with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit doesn't just grab your tongue and start making it do stuff. And it, you, you have a part to play in this. So how do you do this, okay? Here's how you do it. First of all, you gotta be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and anyone who receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit can pray in the Spirit. So how do you do it? Here's how you do it. You do it in private. Remember? Because this is just between you and God. So, so here's my encouragement to you. Sometime this week when you're having your quiet, private time with the Lord is you go to him and, and you ask him to help you to do this. Say, Lord, I believe that I've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so now I ask you to help me to pray in my prayer language. And then you've got you to step out and you got to do it. And as I was thinking about this this morning, actually, I was reminded of the, the Indiana Jones movie. You guys remember the one, uh, The Last Crusade, when he's at the very end there and he's going to get the grail and he's got that bridge thing to walk across. It's like this big gap. And at the time, he can't see that there's something there to catch him, but he has to step out. And when he steps out, there's something there to stabilize him on. What I want you to see is if he doesn't step out, he doesn't get to experience that. You've got to step out. So you gotta, you gotta, that's why it's great to do this in private and, and to work on this. And you may do it, and as you're doing it, you're going, man, I don't know if this is real. This, I've heard other people do this. I don't sound like them. Of course you don't sound like them because you're new at this. You're learning how to do it. But the more you do it and the more you walk in it, the more you'll grow in it. And listen, even wherever you start today, just know this, God is pleased with you. And he's excited that you're just trying. So my encouragement to you is just try. Step out in faith this week. Trust God with this and just begin to allow the Holy Spirit to, to yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit and allow him to speak through you these incredible, incredible prayers. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Lord, we're so grateful for the Holy Spirit and his work in our life. And we, we see this gift of praying in the Spirit as this incredible benefit that we can walk in. And so today we say, Lord, that we do. We want all of you. And I pray this morning that as our church uh, steps out and, and begins to step out of faith to, to do this, Lord. I just pray that you would meet them in their faith and, and that you would begin to, to breathe on them and that they would be able to do this with confidence, Lord, and that they would, they would see you and experience what you want to do in them in their life in this. In Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're here this morning and you have a prayer need of any kind, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Maybe you're dealing with something in your physical body. Maybe you're dealing with something in your mind, a mind battle of some kind is going on. Wherever it is, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Maybe you're here today and you just like to learn a little bit more about you know, the Holy Spirit. Maybe you got some questions. Well, we've got some people that we'd love to... to, to introduce you to that can maybe answer some of your questions and point you in the right direction so altar ministry team i'm going to invite you guys to come down at this time and if that's you today and and you want to you need prayer or you have you you maybe today you want to receive salvation you've never made jesus the lord of your life we'd love to pray for for you and pray with you for whatever it is that you're dealing with so church would you stand with me At this time, if you have a prayer need of any kind, you can go ahead and come down. If not, let's just engage with God one last time, church. Let's worship him and express our love to him and thank him for all that he's done for us and all the goodness he's shown us. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for this series where we've learned so much about this incredible person that you've sent to help us, God. Thank you for giving our church the boldness to step out in faith and experience all that you have for us. And I pray that there's anyone here today that has a prayer of any kind that you'd embolden them right now to step out and receive what you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen.